Hey, what's up, everybody? ASP here, American Survivalist Project. I'm Dutch Mendenhall, uh, founder, um, thought leader when it came to the idea behind American Survivalist Project. And I'm here um, with one of our most important leaders in our entire um, organization with, with um, Dustin Warren. Um, we call him Dusty Hunter, um, also Grizzly Bear sometimes. Um, we are going to share some really great stuff with all of you today. And um, I have some questions for Dusty that I think are important for what we are, who we are as a, as a group, and what we're doing, how the impact we're making on people's lives. Uh, for those of you who are newer to our tribe and, you know, maybe you've invested with us through RAD or you've done different things with us, you know, um, with the organization, with the company, let me just share with you a little bit about the American Survivalist Project. So it's a plan B for families. If the worst things that you can imagine actually happen, um, if, you know, nuclear war is the easy one, right? The next pandemic is 10 times worse. Um, which we're already seeing, you know, with this new variant. Um, if the real war with China and Russia and cyber technology and the Cold War, if, if AI goes, you know, through the roof, if, I mean, there's an endless list of them. I mean, our electrical grid is weak in America as it gets, and we'll talk through some of those things, and we'll talk about some of them today. But, you know, I wanted to take some time to share with you, um, you know, just what is American Survivalist? It's that place where people can have a home um, that they know they can go to if, if, they can no longer be where they where they live now. You know, if you live in a city, um, you're not going to be able to stay there if, if, if the bad things in the world come to fruition. Um, and you're going to need a, a safe haven, a place with food, water, shelter, security, um, which is very important as well, because one of the scariest things that happen in the worst case scenarios is, is you know, people turn on people. Um, and we're, you know, we believe we want to be ahead of that game. We want to be there for people. We want to be there for each other. Um, and so, about two years ago, um, maybe a year and a half to two years ago, I had said to Dusty, I said, you know, I'm kind of looking for a place away from home. Yeah. Um, and Dusty and I had been friends for a few years. And, and so he said, you know, come to Idaho and, you know, look at, you know, the, the amazing properties and look at the farms, look at the things that are here. And so that's kind of the very inkling beginnings of American Survivalist Project. COVID was coming into fruition. It was starting um, to get into our face. And I mean, you know, what did you think the first time I said, okay, I'm going to come by, you know, hundreds of acres in farmland in, in Idaho? What did you think? Well, back you up, I, one of the things I was thinking about is th this really stemmed from a conversation about toilet paper. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was the comment you'd made where, hey, how's Idaho right now with toilet paper? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then you're like, well, we're having a hard time finding toilet paper. And I was thinking, well, you know, we in our discussion, you're asking me if I had any issues with that. And I said, you know, I've heard some people have had problems trying to get toilet paper, something as simple as a piece of paper. And, and, uh, and I told you, we, we haven't been in the store in what, about four months at that mm -hmm, point. Mm -hmm. And so then we got this conversation started about how, um, how do I do it? I have, what do you mean I didn't go to the, the store in four months? And I'm like, other than milk and eggs and things like that, um, it started our conversation in, and uh, I said, well, we, we have food storage. You know, we're always prepared regardless of what happens. Um, and never in a million years could you have told me that the world would be in the state that it is today, even a year ago, right? So we're talking about changing, right? And things that it could go bad and um, the direction of the politics and everything. Uh, it's crazy how fast things change, right? So I don't know if that gives you what you're, what you're after, but... Um, yeah, I think for me, I think I really believe in the, the acceleration model in life right now where everything is accelerated. Economic cycles accelerate. The pandemics are accelerating. Government 
changes are accelerating. Things are all, all these time frames are shortening. And I think it's because of technology. Yep. Um, I think it's because of the internet. I think it's because of things. And so this, I call it acceleration. For me, I call it acceleration theory. And it's just that belief that everything's speeding up. And so when the pandemic first hit for me, it was the first time in my life where I had fear. Like I never really was in a place where I was worried about um, America being invaded. It wasn't something I thought of. Nuclear war, I didn't really think about it. You know, uh, climate change, that's a problem for environmentalists, scientists, right? Um, you know, these are just things, you know, war, I just figured we were good enough at war to, you know, not get into, you know, real war, not even realizing that, you know, in the last 18 months, you know, we've been at war, but people don't recognize it. You know, our Pentagon was hacked and attacked by a foreign power, and we didn't declare war, which is strange to me because when has America ever been attacked and, and hacked and, and, and not, you know, done something about it? Um, so I, I took the pandemic pretty serious right from the beginning. And my wife said to me, you know, we have beliefs when it comes to our medical rights and our human rights that, you know, where I, you know, lived in California, we were like, maybe this isn't the place for us. And so we started looking at other things. and But I did a lot of things right after that. I mean, I, I think we went from, you know, basic food that we would exchange every on a weekly basis to um, uh, several hundred gallons of water. We went to two freezers. Mm-hmm. Um, we had zero freezers, and we went to two freezers right. as backup food. And we began doing food storage. And then one of the initial conversations you started to talk to me is about storage rotation, right? Because right? I just said, well, we, we bought a lot of food. Now what? Yeah, and that's one of the things that we've, I think we've done some videos on this in the past, but the, the important thing was for me and my family um, and my, my wife, who is kind of the heart of our family, is we, she wanted to make sure we had something that when we rotated through our, our stock and our food storage, that we're always replacing it with stuff that we naturally eat and consume within the house during a normal week, during a normal month, whatever it might be. And so we always wanted to make sure we're replenishing so we don't have to completely change our diet. I think some of the fry, uh, the freeze dried products in the market are really valuable to have. I mean, they have a, a 20 plus uh, shelf life on most of those items and and they can be good to keep you alive. Um, there's some nutritional value, but it's not the same, right? As eating the stuff that you eat day in and day out. And so um, to get the nutrients and things like that that your body really wants and needs, um, ch- not changing your diet is probably one of the more important things. But again, those uh, freeze-dried goods are still good to have, right? You, you should have a mixture of everything. I, I would recommend that everybody has it like we've discussed in the past. And then the food rotation is is just something to keep your diet the same. So it's not an upset stomach or um, trying to figure out if you have an allergy to something, right? So those are the, some of the things that we've discussed in the past. And I think it's just something that I had learned and been taught um, from great counsel from my parents, from my wife's parents. <laughs> well, you kind of grew up this way, right? You grew up being prepared. Yeah. And being ready for, for whatever. It's not even about end of times. It's about living a life of preparedness. Exactly, yeah. Or is it about end of times for you? You know, I, I don't. it's so hard to, to tell when the end of times are coming, but I'll tell you what. Um, there's always been predictions about when the times, you know, the sign of the times, right? And it seems like to me that that the sign of the times are the, the events, right, that, we, that we've heard about and read about um, for most of our lives, you know, on and off. They're, they're happening more and more frequently. Uh, I was just reading a thing on... Yeah, I, I always the, say more possible, right? Like when I look at things, I think, think there are more things that are more possible today. And I don't know if it's because I was asleep, right? And like I like you know had blinders on and didn't see them or and now I'm seeing them more. Because that's one of the things I try to do too because I was so... I'm like very, you know, workaholic focused, you know, crazy energy. So like 
when I'm going, I'm going. I don't necessarily see. But then when I open my eyes to something, I see it crystal clear because I've always had vision. Right. So so now am I just seeing things because or is it because there really is this many more bad things? I mean, you guys, maybe that's one of the things you guys comment on. Right. Tell us, you know, do you really think that there's a lot more things that are going on right now that are like seriously, you know, detrimental to the potential, you know, continuation of life as we, you know, the way life is lived now. Right. Um, or do you think, you know, you, or you, you just think we're, you know, um, you know, crazy to accelerate to where we are today. Right. So we officially opened doors of Survivalist Project, just so you guys kind of know where we are today. We officially opened Survivalist Project uh, around December of 2020. Um, and so that was when we you know, bought our first property. Um, we currently have 2,000 acres. Um, we currently have planted crops. We currently have cattle. Um, we have you know, security um, and other things that you know, we are prepared, very prepared. You know? um, and we're not even close to where we're going to be 12 months from now. Where we got we got a ways to go um but but the, the thing about for all of us right this is a great great point you bring it up because just because we're not ready today a lot of people get pretty um overwhelmed with the thoughts right like how the heck am i going to get prepared i need a lot of time to to be prepared reality is just start with something small right so every time you're at the store you might well, go grab yourself a quick uh filter right a few mm-hmm. like a uh, water filter just buy one or two little things you're not even going to notice it through your budget for the most part, right? So there's not a, there, this is the perfect time to start. I mean, just start small, do little things, and just keep building um, yourself to where you're in a state where you'll look back 24 months later and like, wow, I actually have a pretty good stockpile of what I need, um, whether it's just to survive for a week, whether I'm gonna have to survive for three or four months, if I need enough in, um, goods to be able to get out of wherever you might be, whether in California or who knows where you're at. But if you just need enough to get out, um, preparedness is everything because it's not like a doomsday thing per se. It's just the peace of mind, right? I don't have to worry that I, what am I going to do if I lose my job for a year? Like I'm good to go, right? So um, I can take my time. I can find the right job. I can do what I need to do and I'm not going to be in panic mode and put myself in an undue, undue stress. And so those are some of the things that you can think about when you're um, you know, trying to figure out how to change your spending habits or your preparedness as a whole. So Dusty's you know, one of his huge passions is hunting, right? Um, and um, tell some people about some of your hunts. I think that'd be kind of cool. What's the coolest thing you've ever taken down? The coolest thing I've taken down? Well, they're all cool in their own right, right? The, the biggest thing about hunting for me um, is we a lot of hunters are actually some of the more conservative people, right? Um, it, it, it's uh, something that we, not, not all of us do it, but a lot of us actually are the ones that are out making sure that, that conservationists, the conservation yeah. Yeah, projects that are out there, uh, hunters, hunters harbor a lot of that. Um, there are a lot of volunteers, a lot of wonderful people through the hunting community. Um, it's not about, for most of us, it's really not about killing. Uh, it's about the opportunity to have experience with your children. It's about having good quality meat, right? Um, and then it's about being able to, to connect with nature. So there's a lot of things about hunting that's important um, for us. I, I feel like my kids, um, they're, they're pretty young, but they're starting to do more and more hunting. Um, and it just, you can kind of see a transition with them, right? And then when they actually shoot an animal, just the, the respect for that animal, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bittersweet, right? Um, you put in a lot of hard work, um, you harvest the animal, you gotta take care of it. Um, and then you, in that moment, when you get your first animal down, it, it you know, you, it kind of breaks your heart because this is a, 
a magnificent animal that, that the Lord's provided for us, and we get to have good quality meat because it gave itself for our um, for our use. And so we have a lot of respect for the animals. Um, but some of my stories, I mean, there's there's a lot of them, but I think they're all equally important, right, for my growth. Um, I remember a story and years ago where uh, I had shot a uh, shot a, a young uh, bull elk, and uh, my little brother, who was, I think he was around 11 or 12 years old at the time, we put uh, about a quarter of an elk on his back and had him carry it out, and, and uh, he was struggling to carry it out. Um, we we're, I'm thinking about two miles in, so it wasn't super far, maybe only a mile. I can't remember, it's been a long time ago. Just but, the perseverance and the... Yeah. Fighting. Yeah, and watching this, you know, 11, 12-year-old kid struggling with all this heavy um, weight of the meat on his back. And my dad said, you see that tree? And my brother was like, yeah. And he goes, can you get to that tree? And my little brother was like, yeah, I can get to that tree. And he's like, okay, then do it. So he get up there and he's like, I'm hit to the tree. And my dad's like, you see that rock up on the hill? And he's like, yeah, I can get to that rock. Get after it. And then you get up to the, to the next rock. And pretty soon you look up and point through the trees and you can see the, the color of the white truck kind of shining through the, the timber there. And my dad's like, hey. Um, talking to my brother, and he said, "Look up there. You see that tr- that white thing up there?" And my brother looks at it. And he's like, "Yeah, I see it." And then it's almost like he sprinted to the truck, you know. And so, um, man, what what an opportunity for a young man to to learn that he can do more than than he thought he could do. So, th- there's a lot of life lessons there. It's not about necessarily killing animals. Um, for most of us, really, there are a few few bad apples, if you want to call them that, right? That uh, that's all it is for them. But um, for the most part, hunters are not are not that way. So. I think it's pretty incredible when you look at, you know, our property that we've, you know, built and, and that we're continuing to build um, for for people to have access to the amount of amazing and incredible wildlife here. I mean, I've I mean, in the short time that, you know, I've been able to be here, I've seen I mean, I've seen uh, mule deer and I've seen turkeys and pheasants and quail. And I've seen I mean, there's a bear running around the property right now. Oh, for certain. That is bear poop. How can you tell? It's full of berries. A um, yeah, a cub running around, which is pretty fascinating. I mean, who knows where he came from or how he's abandoned. I mean, I don't think he's by himself unless he's abandoned, right? I think he's just old enough that mama kicked him off, yeah. probably. So. Um, but, you know, it, it, coyotes and, and, I mean, just the amount of, I mean, I've seen owls. We've seen, what, blue herring. We've seen bald eagle on the property all in the last 24 hours, so pretty amazing what other what other kind of wildlife is is here at the property Elk creek on the property yeah um and it's the, the, the wonderful thing about the wildlife is it just kind of gets you an experience that you don't get to do in most settings right when you're down in the city um so just a different opportunity to to really connect with what um what we grow up here around right um sometimes i think we take it for granted because i see it all the time um but th- those are some of the animals I, i'd say just adding of the elk would, would be to that list it's pretty pretty ni- nice to see, and so um, a lot of the locals are are pretty uh, love their their wildlife. So there's a lot of um, respect and in, in conservation um, programs that have been implemented here to, to make sure that we have all the wildlife that we can take advantage of, or, or at least experience um, from uh, you know through the lens. If you're uh, big into you know bird watching and so on and so forth, so um, those are pretty pretty important to us around here. I think one of the things I look is like the active conversation of preparedness, right? It's like an active, it becomes a, like a secondary part of your lifestyle, right? And, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, like, like I had met a lot of people who talked about survival and preparedness and then, 
I met you and and I could see the difference between people who talked about it and people who did. Right. And as we got deeper and deeper, I didn't want to be a person who talked about it. I, um, my wife has a statement that she says to me, she goes, are we people that talk about stuff or people that do stuff? Right. And, and every once in a while, when I talk about doing something, she'll use that zing on me and she gets me pretty good with it sometimes. And, and then I got to go do more. Um, and so when we started saying, you know, I, you know, we want to be prepared and we want to provide, you know, more preparedness for people. Um, because if, if we know it's a need, other people know it's a need. And then our inner circle and our investors, I know a lot of you've been a part of our tribe, you know, they all wanted to have that secondary um, escape, secondary plan. I call it life living insurance, right? Yeah. So it's a plan B for families. If the worst things that you can imagine actually happen. While there is still no word on a cure for the virus, government officials report the virus is not airborne. You know, what would you give people, you know, as one piece of advice? You know, let's say just a normal person that goes about their life, um, who's not prepared, who doesn't, hasn't really believed that much in preparedness, right? right. Um, they, but they watch this video and they're like, shit, I better do something. Um, you know, what would you tell that? What would you give that person as, as like, here's like one, two or three things like do this in the next week, protect your family, protect your future. You know, what, what would be one, two, three things you'd tell them to do? Well, I think we've all been kind of like you're saying, it's the creature of comforts, right? We, we've gotten ourselves in a position where we've been pretty comfort society. Yeah. Pretty blessed really, um, self-included. And so, um, I think we get, we never had the training and the mindset growing up. And so when we hear about people that are more prepared, maybe we think that they're a little bit crazy and maybe, maybe I am. Right. So, um, but, but at the end of the day, um, that's becoming more of a reality. We're seeing that more and more. Uh, and, and, and I think that one of the things that I would recommend doing is just start small, but, but start with something as simple as making sure you have number one water, Right. It's really easy to go get you some stuff to put together for uh, water just so that if you lose your water, what are you going to do? I mean, I think California right now is having some struggles with their water. Um, in fact, really nationally, we're having problems. Um, I, I know that in Boise, a lot of the wells are drying up. Um, they don't have any water in them for whatever. Right, the, the aquifer is just not uh, holding the water that it was before. And so all these people are in a situation where they don't have water, which is the number one most important thing you can put into your body to keep you alive. And then the second thing would be obviously your food. Um, so for me, I'd start with the water. Um, you just figure out uh, you know, what you need for every person in your family that you're comfortable with and then just start from there, right? And then make sure you have enough. And you think of water, like for an, an adult, you know, it's a gallon per day you know, is, is, is pretty needed and maybe they could survive on less, but I think if you have three adults in a house, you're at 20 gallons a week. If you have 80 gallons, then you're only making it a month. Right. And, and just, I've, I've lived in a lifetime where we didn't have water. So when I lived in Iowa, we had the floods of, I think it was 93 and water was, you know, very scarce. And we were always literally drinking water out of pop cans because they, that's how they delivered it from helicopters was, was on pallets and they were like soda cans filled with water and we were drinking carbonated water 
um, out of soda cans. And that was, but we, you know, we probably, before they got there, we probably had 24, 48 hours where there was no water um, unless we had water, you know, at, at home. People also understand the electrical grid goes down. It's not that far that water is next. Um, and the reason is, is because, you know, your water treatment plants, um, water supply is dependent on electricity. And I know they have generators, but generators, nobody has generators that last a week. Nobody has generators that last a month because they don't have that kind of fuel on public properties to, to support those things. But, you know, as you get deeper into that study, it gets, some of those things get scarier and scarier. We, you know, first thing I did was we did a hundred gallons of water and now we've gone to 300 gallons of water for me and my family. And, and I feel, you know, I feel very comfortable that, you know, at the very least we have that initial supply because lots of times when things go wrong, first thing you have to do is hunker down and see, you know, what is, what is the reality? Cause everybody thinks everything is going to be okay and everything's going to come back to normalcy. And so you, you know, you're hunkered down and you did this during pandemic. Everybody did it during the pandemic a little bit. You hunkered down. You said you didn't go to the store for four months. Right. Um, yeah. So it, but then when it doesn't, cause just as easily the supply chain broke down, the meat packing plants broke down, um, because nobody could, you know, they didn't have the workers because workers got COVID and, and the workers couldn't do the, the butchering and, and the different things from a meat standpoint. And that's just the start of the supply chain breaking down. Right. Um, there was a ton of things that broke down supply chain wise. So, you know, I think food, water is, is, is huge. Um, what would your third one be? So food, water, um, my top two. And then a third thing is some form of if we're if we're still at our houses, right? Um, so you're not really as worried about your shelter, which is obviously a pretty important thing. Um, I think something really easy to put together is some form of documentation on who you are or your family, right? So like mm -hmm. maybe get a bug out bag, something put together like that. If you have to leave, um, if you're if you're hunkered down in your house for a while, and then all of a sudden you want to be prepared to be able to leave in a hurry, right? So I would say the third thing I would just focus on is maybe getting a a bug out bag of some form put together. Make sure you have all the documentation on who you are, some identity. Uh, you can maybe put a little bit of cash in there. Cash may not really be worth much at that point, but it's gonna be better than a credit card, right? Yeah. Um, until we can figure out a barter system. If this whole entire thing collapses. Then there's there's no, other than natural, other than resources people need, there's correct. no barter. That's right. Eventually barter will open back up, trade opens back up. Um, right. But when it breaks down, there is no trade other than ammunition and food yeah. you know and that really becomes that's what it comes down to is two things right your food and water i put in the same category and then and then firearms and ammunition so it gets scary really quick if you're planning on protecting what you have um, that might deter quite a few people from coming after uh, your belongings and especially in a time where you're um, fighting for your life right because we're talking like survivalist mode um, I, I think that, that having some form of protection would be would be worth it um, just to give you an extra fighting chance in an already really hard situation. So, you know, as we, you know, some just crazy cool things to share with you guys. Right. So like John is, is our, you know, on the ground survival um, expert and, and Dusty's a crazy smart about survival himself. And I'm, I'm kind of learning, kind of getting there um, and, and slowly, but I am getting there. Um, and so John, we spent some time with him today. Um, and we recorded quite a bit of it. Um, and actually, he was building a bug out bag. Um, we went to, you know, just a normal store and how you buy bug out bags. So check out that video. Um, I think that'll be really good to see, you know, all the things with the bug out bag. Because I think that'll be incredibly valuable. And so one of the things, you know, as the plan of our survivalist project has gone, you know, through evolutions, um, because we've, you know, gone from nothing to, 
you know, thousands of acres to, 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 um, you know, security towards, you know, some sustainable food resources to, you know, so the, the basics of what we need, you know, one of the things that, you know, as the ideas developed is, um, is we've built, you know, depots in cities and so that people from the initial location have a place they can go to and initially get supplied. Right. Um, and, and I think because what happens, I think in the, crazy survivalist situation where's the first place everybody looks to to get supplies right and they're all empty within days you know the costcos the pharmacies the cvs's the walgreens the local grocery stores and those kind of things and then then where do they go to right well they go to the known warehouses the norm supply chain you know kind of places um and 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 then from there now what right now they look to their neighbors and sometimes they'll start looking to their neighbors before they look at those other sources because they might not even know where those sources are um, and, and you think if, you know, if it was one of the crazy ones would be an EMP. Now they can't even think about going somewhere for food and supplies because, because they don't have transportation, which becomes pretty crazy. So why don't you share Dusty more, anything else you think you want to leave people with as a thought, you know, that, that, you know, is really valuable. Well, I think the, the number one thing for me personally is, uh, I've been doing this basically my whole entire life, but it doesn't mean that I have all the answers. And that's one of the things about the community that you're bringing into it that I like is um, we all have talents, right? We all have, we all think differently. And what an opportunity for all of us to be able to bring in all of our talents together um, and and use each other to help each other and support each other. Um, you know, I, I had the White's Council of, you know, Bill, I, when I first was looking at my food storage uh, as a young, freshly married, you know, um, husband, and my wife and I were talking about food storage and how the heck are we going to be able to afford it? And it just didn't seem like it was going to ever happen. And I had great counsel to, hey, just start small, but just be diligent about it and just start from somewhere. You got to start at some point. But you must go. But you got to start. start. You got to do it. And so we just started small. But then I remember one time I was like, well, I just put in all this money. I don't really want to put any more into it. And it's like, well, where are you at with it? I'm like four or five months and then like four or five months is not a year supply, but I mean, that's a start. Um, but I could theoretically do more. I had the, I had the funds by that point. I could, I could put more into it. And I remember, um, my dad said, well, maybe this isn't for you. And I go, what do you mean? He's like, well, maybe you're not supplying or you're not preparing yourself for your family. Maybe there's somebody that's going to need you. Right. And so it's the give back portion of it. Right. Um, I feel like from me and my wife and my family, we try to give back and, and I think we can always do better at giving back to the community and to friends and the family and stuff like that. But, um, let's just say that I don't ever need any of this food that I've saved up, but I've got a lot of friends in California, or if I've got a lot of friends in Washington, or I've got family in Boston, what if they, what if there's a huge crisis and they need my food, they need help. I can help them. Right. And it's all about giving because you never know what, what, at what point am I giving or what, at what point are you the one that has to, you're begging for it. Right. And so I think that if, if we all just take a look at it, how do we help each other? Right. Um, how do we prepare ourselves to help ourselves or to help others? Because then at that point, if you're in a situation where you're not prepared, then you're the one that's having to go ask somebody that may be prepared, but only prepared for their family. And then you're going and begging for stuff and you don't that's have anything to offer. That's a scary thought though too. I mean like, yeah. Like people, people, um, there's, I, I talk in some of the videos I talk about, there's a, there's a time when there's a individual selfishness that overrides survival, 
for for certain individuals where they don't have the resources or they don't or they you know it, think about this like, like a lot of you watching have kids right and the choice is your kid is hungry thirsty and you look at a neighbor who's supplied and the neighbor says no right they're not going to help right and and they're not they're not they're not going to extend help right then what do you do at that point in time right you're in survival and so there's where society's some of the breakdowns of society get to and that's why but if you build abundance right and and you create those things then you can help you know when 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 it when it comes down to it but you know there's there's just a lot of things that this conversation goes deep man it goes really deep it really does and it can get I mean, and we're, we all react differently to different stresses, right? I think inherently most of us are really good people. Um, you know, we're inherently um, wanting to help people, but when we get in those stressful situations, we don't, sometimes we don't know how we're going to act. Um, and so it's it's. If you don't know who you are when you're going to lay your head down to rest for the last time, you don't know how you're going to act in those situations. You know, when that is already a foregone answer for you, then you know in those worst case scenarios what your decision is. But then if you're really faced with it, you know, your, your child versus someone else's child or your child versus someone who doesn't even have children, right? What, what, what's the call at that point in time? And, and let's not go any deeper down that because that's just even a scary thought in itself. And, um, but I, you know, I just thank you. You know, I look forward to getting on more chats and more, more videos with you as you share. And we'll share more individual as the Survivalist Project continues to grow. I mean, we're, we're 2,000 acres. We're... Um, we're in a whole different stratosphere from where most people even start to think about this, but I think you and I have a big plan, yeah. um, and, and, and some pretty incredible, you know, so that, so that people throughout the nation have, you know, an ability to live life, you know, no matter what happens. So, or where they're at. I mean, that's yeah. one thing that we, we really want to make sure is that we have a space where we can provide for others no matter where they're at. Yeah. Geographically it's geographic. been real important to us. Yeah. yeah. So we can kind of kick back to those different um hubs if you will right where we can grow the foods that we want here we know where it's coming from and if we can be able to take that food and distribute it to places that people can go and get it um where you can be within reason of your, where you're currently at as we grow um i'm kind of excited about that aspect so that we don't have a thousand you know five million people coming to idaho there's a lot of good places in the world where um you can be and we can we can help each other out so this this could get really big in a hurry and, and and it is getting big. I mean we've we've seen a lot of growth and and interest and and a lot of super intelligent people that are. It's because I'm a machine, baby. <laughs> you're a machine, but uh, yeah, I I think there's just a lot of people out there that have more knowledge than us in certain aspects, and everybody wants to be a part of this. It's quite interesting. Um, I mean, I'm never going to be as good at survival as you, right? Like cutting, but I'm a I'm a builder, right? And so that's I think where the uniqueness of the different things. Is, is I'm just I'm an insane builder and so it's like we talk about how do we continue this relationship going forward how do you continue relation with the show with us well the easiest way is to be a part of our tribe right like follow right I love your comments like that's the most important thing to us is giving feedback telling us what you need help with what you need resources with but like right follow be a part of our tribe part of our community right um, we have other ways you know people can be a part of what we do we have you know if you want to donate um, to our cause and different things, you know, uh, we've been setting up an avenue for people to be able to do that as well. Everything we've done at this point in time is from our own built businesses and our own built companies. Um, we have investors um, who invest in some of the land and properties we do. If you want to do that, there's an avenue to just get deep with us. Look at who we are, right? Um, I say we believe in being transparent and real. 
Um, we don't talk about stuff. We do stuff. Um, but, you know, be a part of the tribe. Be a part of the community. The longer you're around us, you're with us. The longer you're, you're here, the more it's going to make an impact and change in your life. So uh, we'll see you guys on the next video. And say goodbye, Dusty. Goodbye, Dusty. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Hard Money Podcast with Dutch Mendenhall. Don't forget to visit our website, economicactivist.com. That's www.economicactivist.com.